Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to the 74th episode of the Morning Round Trip Podcast. My name is Drew Frank here on September 22nd, and I'm joined by my co-host, Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And today our tough story is that we have a division clinched. The Oakland A's become the first team to secure their division as they prevail over the Houston Astros, over the Seattle Mariners, over every other team in that West as the clear-cut number one seed. It's looked for quite some time like they'd have this locked up, but they officially win their first AL West title for the first time since 2013. This is a team that we saw them win 97 games in each of the past two years just to lose in a single wild card game both time. Sixth year that they've made the playoffs in the last nine. A nice little run of success there. But this year they've got a much deeper goal than just making playoffs. Getting at 33-20 and 20 on the year, they're easily the best team in the American League West. And how about the acquisition of Jake Lamb? I know we talked about him not being able to entirely replace Matt Chapman, but he's been pretty much everything that they could have asked for for them. Congratulations to the Oakland A's. Tampa, they look to join the party, and they can do so tonight. Their magic number to clinch the AL East is 1-1. So either a win from them or a loss from the Yankees would do it. The Yankees send Garrett Cole to the mound against Tanner Roark, so they probably can't expect too much help there, but still, a win tonight would get it done. And Cleveland's they're not gunning for a division title, but they can clinch a playoff spot tonight with either a win or a Seattle loss. See if they can get that done as well. And now a, a few other notes that are kind of interesting First off, Aroldis Chapman was suspended three games for throwing at Mike Brasso. That was appealed, and now the appeal hearing is being delayed. They're saying there aren't enough witnesses available, and the three-game suspension will be served instead in 2021. So, I mean, that matters here. The Jays are just three games back of them. They're fighting with the Twins with the Astros, with a few other teams for seeding, and missing three games in 2021 is much less of a penalty than missing three games in 2020. And this is probably one of the weirdest scenarios I think I've heard in quite a while, and given how strange 2020 has been, I think that's saying something. From John Heyman yesterday, we learned that the Aroldis Chapman suspension appeal would be delayed, but the issue of availability of witnesses is one that I don't think I've ever heard when it comes to dealing with a suspension appeal. I'm not sure if lack of witnesses is because there were fewer ballpark personnel allowed in the stadium, if there were just less people and you can't go off of what the players say and you need more MLB officials. A very, very weird ruling here, but like you said, missing three games in 2020 means a whole lot more than it would in 2021. And having a role as Chapman in the Yankees bullpen is never something they're going to complain about. We also saw a report from AM New York, who cover the Islanders, they cover the Mets. And they're reporting that on good authority, they have a source claiming that GM Brody Van Wagenen is on the way out. 
the report says to not expect him to be on the team too much longer. Of course, he's had some controversial, problematic trades in how he handled the Cano-Diaz situation, moving Kelenic, the Stroman trade, the Mariznik trade, the Jed Lowry sign. You can go on. There are a lot of things here, but... Uh, potentially keep an eye out. Usually don't see too many front office transactions around this time of year, but that could be coming soon with the new ownership. And we have a whole slew of injury updates here. First off, a couple pitchers shut down for the season. Both of them tried to return this past week, Ken Giles and Cole Hamels. For Giles, he's going to have Tommy John, so that wipes out his entire next season as well. For Cole Hamels, I think we expect him to be back in 2021, but it's because of shoulder fatigue, and he is also done for the season. And this is a situation where, you know, obviously Ken Giles has been outside of that Jays clubhouse for a little while because he's been dealing with injuries on and off. We haven't seen him pitch a ton in 2020, and the Jays have pretty much tried to make do without him in that bullpen for what's been the entire season. So it would have been nice to have him back at some point, maybe try to rev him up when you get into the postseason. But obviously that's not going to be the case this year. And for Cole Hamels, we didn't really think we'd see him pitch at all in 2020. So seeing him come back was a pleasant surprise, but I guess erring on the better part of caution and they decide to shut him down for the year. Uh, guy getting up there in age, you don't really want to take any risks when he says that he's feeling something wrong in his shoulder. You want to take him at what he says. So not having him in there isn't going to affect the Braves too much, I don't believe. But uh, obviously for an older guy, you never like to see injuries. Nolan Arenado as well is out for the year. He has a shoulder problem. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. He hits the 10-day IL, and just the second time in his career he's hit the IL, a very durable player, but he's going to miss this last bit of a playoff hunt. We saw them beat the Giants yesterday, and so now they're three games back of the second wild card. They do have to jump over quite a few teams, but they still have a chance there. And just a quick other note with the Rockies, Wade Davis, we mentioned he was DFA'd, officially released yesterday. So a little bit of turnover on that Rockies roster, but they win last night, as I said, and they still have a chance to compete. Chris Bryant on the Cubs, who are looking to lock up the Central potentially tomorrow night, if they can get it done. He will not be a part of tonight's game, we don't think. He was pulled yesterday off the field with a right oblique injury on a swing and miss, and David Ross says that he's worried, but he doesn't know. So we're still waiting to hear. Hopefully this isn't too serious, because even if he hasn't been hitting too well so far this year, of course, anytime you can have a superstar like Chris Bryant in the lineup, you want that all day. Quickly, a few other guys we we are unsure about day-to-day. Michael Conforto has hamstring tightness. He was unavailable to pinch hit last night. This could be nothing, but with six days left, the Mets pushed to the brink. Single-digit playoff percentage chance. You need everything you can get. Bryce Harper returned to action yesterday, went hitless at the plate, but at least that means his back's okay enough to be in the lineup. And the Dodgers, Royals, and Cardinals get Peterson, Soler, and Fowler back. Three teams that are kind of in different spots right now. The Dodgers mostly cruising, the Cardinals still in the thick of things, and the Royals playing spoiler. So three big pieces to get back for those respective teams. But let's jump right into the action last night. 
We talked that there was a chance for Cleveland to clinch last night with a win and the Seattle loss. Well, they get half of those things as Cleveland's do indeed knock out the White Sox 7-4. Seattle picks up a win over Houston on the West Coast, so they didn't get the clinch, but they'll be back in action with a chance to do it tonight. Last night, it started early as Jose Ramirez had a three-run shot in the bottom of the first and really got to Dane Dunning. He had looked good coming into this start. Even in this start, he looks okay. I mean, he gives up five hits in the walk in the first two innings. He pitches the third and the fourth as well, only allowing a, a single base runner in those two frames, so a little hit and miss. But the White Sox are able to get back into this game as they pick up four runs off of Aaron Savale, the other starting pitcher. It was Jose Abreu who drives in the first two runs, pushing his RBI lead from 53 to 55, and no one else in the MLB has even 50. Eloy Jimenez then tied it up with a two-run shot, but Carlos Santana answered right back in the very next half inning with a two-run shot of his own, moving it from 4-4 to 6-4, and the Indians would hold on to that lead. Yeah, and it was because of the Cleveland Indians bullpen that they were able to shut the door as Wick Garen, Karinchuk, and Hand come in for three innings of shutout baseball, allowed just one hit and one walk to seven strikeouts. They were able to really lock down what was going on for the Cleveland Indians. A little bit dicey in the ninth as a single and a fielder's choice brought the tying run to the plate, but a couple of backdoor sliders strike out a pair and that would close things out for the Cleveland Indians how about Carlos Santana I mean he has been so so good against the Chicago White Sox this year so far through seven games he's hitting eight for 19 that comes out to 421 for his average he's got two home runs four RBIs and 11 walks and hey when you look at things right now if it would end today the Cleveland Indians sit in that number seven seed and the White Sox sit in that number two spot so Carlos Santana who's had a great deal of success against the Chicago White Sox would get to play them a little bit more in the postseason and I think that's exactly what you want if you're the Cleveland Indians but these games matter still so you're still trying to pick up wins where you can but I think you're pretty okay with facing the White Sox in the postseason. And I think the White Sox would love that number one seed if they'd be able to push up and get it. Last night does not help them, though, as Tampa Bay knocks out the Mets 2-1. And they continue the push for that spot we mentioned. And this puts Tampa in range to clinch the East tonight. But this game is tough for Mets fans because they they can't afford to lose. It's looking like their season's done. I mean, I you never want to count anyone out when you're taking 16 whole teams to the playoffs. But this start from DeGrom is so painful to see go to waste. He gives up two earned runs over seven innings, strikes out 14, only allows four hits over that span. But... There are six different pitchers for Tampa Bay, and the Mets weren't really able to figure out any of them. They have a bullpen day, and the Mets bats don't do much of anything at all, and they lose this one to the one. It's rough go for Mets fans here because, like you said, we, we've talked about it a bunch, and we've talked about Fran Graff's playoff odds. About a month ago on August 28th, the New York Mets sat at 72.9% to make the playoffs, according to Fan Graff's. And today they sit at just 3.4%. And the story stays the same as much as it changes. Jake DeGrom goes out there, pitches his absolute heart out, gives you a quality start, only allows two runs, but his offense isn't able to put together anything for him. A bullpen day for the Tampa Bay Rays, I thought they were really, really strong in this one. 
One of the big deciders for the Tampa Bay Rays was Nate Lowe as he delivered a massive home run, an exit velocity of 111 miles an hour off the bat. That's the hardest home run that Jake DeGrom has surrendered since June 6, 2017, when he surrendered two 111-mile-an-hour shots to Joey Gallo and Nomar Mazzara, just compounding his dominance. But another loss here for the New York Mets in a time when it's probably not a great idea to be losing too many more games, a rough go of things. You hate to see it if you're a Mets fan. You really, really do. And finally, we saw a pretty exciting game in Cincinnati as the home team prevails over the Brewers 6-3. to This game had, I think, both halves of a a great game. You have the pitcher's duel to start. You see Woodruff and Castillo just dealing, lots of strikeouts, looking very, very sharp. And this game stays low scoring until later on. And then the bats come to life. 6-3 game, all nine runs scored via the home run. Castillo, the starter, only gives up a solo shot to Jed Giorco. Then Woodruff, on the other side, gives up just one home run as well, but it's a two-run shot, which means the Reds have a 2-1 lead. They lengthen that lead a little bit more to make it 3-1 with a solo shot from Casale, but it's Mike Moustakis who launches a three-run shot, making it 6-1. You think this game's over. Jace Peterson has something to say in the top of the ninth, putting up a two-run shot there, making it 6-3, and that would be where it ends. But a little bit of back-and-forth late drama, the bullpens show a little bit of flexibility as we know this Cincinnati pen has struggled just about all year. The Brewers pen has been pretty good all year, but at the end of the day, the Cincinnati Reds come away with this one, and this is a big win for them. And they've been able to string together a couple of big wins. They have gotten hot when it matters the most. They've won eight of their last nine and nine of their last 11, and they sit above 500 for the first time since opening day. Man, it seems like just a little while ago we were talking about how much the Cincinnati Reds probably deserved a couple of more wins here and there, but if there was ever a time to collect them, they've certainly picked their spot. One of the big contributors, like you said, was Mike Moustakis in this game, a veteran of two World Series appearances. He said, quote, It brings out a different level of competition from everybody on this side and the other side. When you're playing against a team that's in the hunt as well, the emotions are high, every pitch is meaningful, every out is meaningful. You can tell that this Cincinnati Reds ball club is starting to pick up some nervous energy as the days draw shorter and the season comes to an end. They're trying to solidify themselves as a playoff contender, and these are the games you want to do it in because if you can beat the Milwaukee Brewers and put together a couple more wins, those are the teams that you need to be able to beat to put yourself in a spot to contend in the postseason. Two more teams that are fighting head-to-head for seeding. The Blue Jays took Game 1 of a four-game set over the Yankees in Buffalo last night, 11-5. And it was Alejandro Kirk who goes 4-for-4 with his first Major League home run, taking a Chad Green fastball opposite field. Yankees lose a tough one here. I mean, they were out of it from the start, I think. They, They put up some runs late, but just... The Jays' bats just kept pounding away, didn't get the pitching they needed. Tonight, they've got Garrett Cole, so you'd think that they'd get a little help there. The Mariners, they beat Houston 6-1, which I mentioned prevented the Indians from clinching, keeps their dream alive. Marco Gonzalez, the ace, was not messing around, goes eight shutouts innings of seven hit, six strikeout ball. 
great performance from him. And hey, they, they still have a chance. They're not done yet. Who knows what we'll see there. And tonight we'll start back with that series we talked about between Milwaukee and Cincinnati. This series is going to matter so much for shaping that NL Central, for shaping the NL Wildcard, and really seeing what these two teams have got. The headline for this game is that Sonny Gray is back. We saw him dealing with some back and spine issues, but he will start against Brian Anderson tonight at 6.40 p.m. We haven't seen him since September 10th. It's been some time, but he is back seemingly soon. And I I don't know what to expect from him. I think I'll take Milwaukee in this one. But for his sake, I'm hoping he does something good. And Sonny Gray seemed to show signs of needing a little bit of rest as in his last couple of starts, he went 0-2 with a 24 ERA. So not the number that you want to have if you're Sonny Gray. But this Cincinnati ball club has been so hot that even if... Sonny Gray isn't on his game in this one. I think the offense is going to be able to scratch and claw a win away from the Milwaukee Brewers because they have just been on a roll that I don't even think we could have predicted. In our next game, we see another pitcher return as Jose Quintana joins the Chicago Cubs. He goes up against Stephen Brault and the Pirates, but you might look at this matchup and see one versus five in the standings. Stephen Brault, extremely good in his last start goes a complete game with just two hits one run allowed through nine innings striking out eight I think I'm gonna take the Pirates on this one because even when Quintana was in midseason form over the last few years he hasn't been all that sharp I don't think you're far-fetched in taking the Pittsburgh Pirates in this one because if I know the Chicago Cubs, I know that they have the perpetuancy to blow games like this against the team that sits in the bottom of the division, especially in a situation like this where you're trying to take every win that you can away from these teams that aren't going to be contending in the playoffs. Jose Quintana hasn't really been much for the Cubs in his career so far, and with how hot and cold this offense has been, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't put up any runs in this one. But I think for the sake of Jose Quintana and trying to continue strong into the postseason, I think the Cubs put up a couple of runs against Stephen Brault, and I think they take this one over the Pittsburgh Pirates. And finally, this is not a game that matters really for seeding. Doesn't really matter for clinching. Certainly isn't going to go much further head-to-head importance. But this should be a very good game. Oakland takes on the Dodgers. Frankie Montes going up against Dustin May. I don't want to say World Series potential matchup, but you got two of the best teams in baseball going at it in their respective leagues tonight at 9.40 p.m. Eastern. Aside from all the wild card shenanigans, the seeding stuff, it should be good to just watch a nice game of two elite pitchers, two elite teams going at it. And I think in this one, I, I got to go with Dustin May. They are at home. There's a, a whole bunch of factors that I feel like slightly favor the Dodgers. So I'll go with them in this one. And that's if Dustin May starts this game, because the last time he was listed to start, we saw Brustal Gratterall used as the opener before Dustin May came in for five innings. But Dustin May's stuff is so much fun to watch. Anytime he's out on the mound, it's must-see TV. This kid is electric. I'm taking the Dodgers over their California rivals in the Oakland A's. Well, that'll do it for our show today. You can find us on Twitter at Trip Morning, and you can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. I would definitely recommend of all days you definitely go check out that Instagram today. Our graphic designer, Kayla Rosmus, putting up the clinch graphics. We saw the first one yesterday with the A's. Keep an eye out. There is a real chance we see another one tonight with the Tampa Bay Rays. 
But that's all our time for today. And for Drew Frank and Liam Carruthers, thank you for listening and have a great day.